Mike and Paige. We're college sweethearts with four amazing, sometimes awesome kids. And we love a good story. And we thought we should share our good stories. So this is Laugh So You Don't Cry. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I can't even. I'm starting to laugh before we share it. Okay. Um, guys, we got a doozy for you today. Thanks for joining us this, this time, guys. Um, and for those of you who like keep listening, that's really crazy. Uh, that was not my expectation. Paige is like, this is going to be so much fun. And I'm like, cool, it'll be two episodes, we'll be done. But no, we're still going. Um, so this week... We're talking about his butthole. No, we're, not t- we're not talking about... <laughs> we're not talking... <laughs> She's literally probably crying over here. We're not talking about the actual hole itself, just the surrounding content. <laughs> Guys, Mike has been sick for a month. It's been a long month. A month. And you know, you can't just be sick for a month. You obviously will have COVID. Um, and oh my gosh, everybody's like, you got COVID? You got COVID? It's like... No. At first, we thought it was the flu. And uh, some people around us also had flu-like symptoms, which made us think like, oh, maybe there's just something going on. I had 102 fever. When Paige wakes me up, she goes, you're so warm. So I went to bed early and she gets a thermometer that I bought. I literally bought the thermometer the day before on Amazon. He was we like, don't I just one. want to prove I just, that <laughs> I'm actually yeah. sick. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking at you. I know that you're sick. And here's the thing. The whole time for the month, my kid was apologizing and apologizing, apologizing. He was like, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. And I know that he was like making up for, because when he's man sick, I don't pay him any attention. And it's so he, lonely when I'm man sick. <laughs> I'm like, nah, I don't got time with this. I got those other children. Um, And so (laughs) Mike was apologizing. And I go, Mike, I can physically see that you're actually sick. You don't have to apologize. You didn't do anything wrong. You're sick. You're real sick. Yeah. So for the past month, I've had diarrhea. Upset stomach. Upset stomach. Constipate. Whatever. No, listen. (laughs) And like after like two weeks of diarrhea, you're like, I should probably go see somebody. Because well, and he spiked the fever, mm-hmm. and he never finished having diarrhea. And then he goes, Paige, there's a spot that like really, really hurts. hurts. And in another life, had I liked school, I would have totally went back or went to school for nursing. My family has lots of nurses in it. I love the medical field, but I hate, I hate, I hate schooling. So I'm literally like pretend putting the gloves on and snapping it like, let's do this. And I'm um, thinking it's like a, just a hemorrhoid, you know, something that's just like, because I, I, I had diarrhea. So I'm like constantly going to the bathroom and wiping and getting it raw. And he's a, he's a classic shower. If anything gets a little too messy, he's like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going in the shower. Well, after you diarrhea so much, you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to live in this bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we go. Um, he goes, can you just look at it? He goes, if you touch it, I promise I will punch you. It hurts so bad. It hurt, guys. Guys, it hurt, it hurt to sit. It hurt to shift. It hurt to do everything. Like, it just hurt. <laughs> you said shift. shift. And I did not know where we were going shift, with that. Like, shift your body weight. <laughs> So Paige, Paige goes and Paige goes and looks at it. And I go, oh my gosh, Mike, you have something there. And guys, um, let's just say if, if this stuff does not like stop eating right now, um, if this stuff is, does not like jive with you. If you're you, drinking if bubble you're, tea, this is not the time to drink bubble right. tea. Uh, go ahead and just skip into our, our episode. I promise it's going to be really good. It's going to be on addiction. Um, but... 
he asked me to touch it and I'm touching around and it's warm and there's like this big bump underneath his skin. So of course we start Googling and I was like, I think it's a perianal abscess. Like all these things are lining up. And so we, we call one of our nurse friends and she goes, go get it checked out. It might be butt cancer. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. cool, cool Shout cool, out Amanda. We cool, love you. Cool. So the next day I go to the emergency room to get, and just to get it checked out. Um, and mind you, like I'm, I'm literally like having to walk. Like I just rode a horse. Like I, I can't sit down. And, he, I, and I sit for a living. I sit at a desk all day. So I'm just like. Uh. He legitimately was in so much pain. And also being an ex addict, like we are not doing actual pain meds. So we finally get into the back of the room. We finally see the doctor. Do you want to tell me this part? I don't know. There's a lot. That doctor, <laughs> that doctor was a whole lot. So it's this like stocky Asian guy and he's like flipping Mike one side and the other. And he's like, well, let me see it. And he like gloves up. And I, I try to get behind the doctor so I can see what he's seeing and I, watching. And I swear to you, he like, he turns me on my side and he's like, all right, I'm going to lift and do this stuff. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to be really gentle. And I thought he like knuckle blasted me. Like, <laughs> oh, like, gross, he, Mike. The way he, like when he, the way he touched it, I was like, I mean, I, I, I yelped. And I grabbed the side of the bed because it hurts so bad. And it was like lightly touching on your skin. Like yeah. if you were to see if you had a sunburn, you know how you do that finger test? Yeah. It was like that. So <laughs> he flips Mike over and then he starts checking his stomach. Yeah, like the abdomen check, you know, he's like, you had diarrhea for a, oh, like like three weeks now. He was checking for bloating. And he goes, oh, the best. here's the best part. So for a lot of you, some of you may know, some of you may not. I don't know. I had gastric bypass a couple years ago. He's lost 225 pounds. Yeah, That's so amazing. I was like 500 pounds. So, but the guy goes, is your stomach always this big? <laughs> and I, and I was like, and I go. <laughs> and I shot a glance to Mike. And, I, and, and I, I said, like, I said, sure is. And he goes, now mind you, I'm in here for whatever's going on in my butt. And he goes, he goes, you ever thought about doing anything to lose this weight? You know, like cutting down, cutting back, you know. Cut out the sugars and, and and I was like, well, I actually had gastric bypass and then Paige timed in with how much weight I, I was lost. like, um, this is two hundred and twenty five pounds less. And then Mike always likes to say, yeah, man, I was a massive dude. Yeah. So uh, so that 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 bedside manner, you know, was great. Was not there. Was but anyways, so then he goes, well, I just really don't know if you want me to touch it. Um, I'm just really not the person to do it. I, we're going to do some blood work. We're going to do some scans. It was a CT blah, blah, blah. scan. Yes, I think so. Yeah. And I was like, I was livid because I was like, what in the world are they doing that for? No, we don't need to do that. He just needs to lance it, let that puppy drain. But I had diarrhea for three weeks. Like, there could have been something going on down there. Right. And that's what my mom said. And granted, whatevs. So we get, I mean, we're taking this story. It was, we were at the hospital for half a day, but we get out, uh, we get the CT scan back and he's like, yeah, we're just going to have to send you, refer you to someone else. Um, they'll have to do general surgery on you. Just call these people (laughs) after. He goes, uh, I don't feel comfortable cutting it here. And here's why it's so close to your rectum that if I, if I were just to tap a muscle when I cut it, he's like, you would, um, and I said, seep <laughs> and he goes yes so i don't want none of that anal, anal seepage and he says no we don't like we're on the same page here doc whatever Ugh. so we get out of the hospital and i start calling around and everyone's like oh yeah sure we can get you in um the earliest we can get you in is april 15th which Guys, was- which is two weeks from when we're talking to them yeah. so two more weeks of my husband groaning all the time 
being in constant pain, not being helpful around the house. Keep in mind that it was, I'm annoying, I'm in pain, and I'm not being helpful. So like... (laughs) The, the thing that should matter no, the most, me being in pain, <laughs> is surrounded by, like, you're annoying me and you're not being helpful. Yeah, you're dying. Whatever. But who cares? <laughs> he was legitimately in pain. But it was annoying. And also, April 15th just so happens to be my birthday. So I was like, you know what? We're just going to book the appointment. Whatevs. So we booked the appointment. And then I text my mom and I say, who could do this? So we ended up calling another guy. He got us in on Tuesday, the following Tuesday. This was a Friday. So we did a long weekend of pain over Easter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we went in. We got to see the doctor. Yeah. So, Well, first off, uh, I want to back up just a schmidge. Um, Paige is super hungry at this point because we're still at the hospital. She's super hungry. She's like, hey, I'm going to go get some food. I'll be right back. Cool. Dr. Lee, the doctor comes back while Paige is gone. And he was like, I can give you, he walks and he goes, so your blood work and scan came back. Surprisingly, you're fairly healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a nice way to say, man, you're a fat dude, but. Surprisingly, I'm going to leave a Yelp review for this hospital when I leave here too, doc. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, he, he, uh, I'm I'm really proud of myself because he off, he's like, he's like, we, you know, we can do. And I wasn't there. Yeah, Paige was not there. And he was like, I can do, he's like, you know, really Tylenol, ibuprofen. He's like, if the pain's that bad, you know, we can give you a kind of a narcotic, but, you know, I'm concerned about that kind of stuff. And I stopped him. I was like, I'm an, I'm a pill addict or ex-pill addict. So, and he goes, oh, great. Thanks for being transparent. And he's like, so none of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, his, uh, surprisingly, you're pretty healthy. <laughs> Thanks, doc. <laughs> Thanks, doc. Surprisingly, you have horrible <laughs> bedside manner. Surpri- Why'd you go into this? <laughs> Surprisingly, I'm not coming back here. It's amazing. <laughs> I will drive to the next hospital. Right. Um, so anyways, we went to the doctor's appointment, but in the meantime, it burst on its oh, own. Sunday night, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sunday. Uh, I was like, oh, oh, what is that? And it was, if anybody's ever been like given birth or been there when somebody gives birth, you know that smell of all the uh, amniotic fluids coming out. That was the smell, Blech. and it was kind of Dude, the that's same. That's a bad smell. It was kind of the same like texture, consistency, just not as much. Obviously, no. I thought the amniotic fluid was more watery. Uh, okay, th- this guys, was a mix. This was like lava lamp goopage oh, happening, man. and he was like, "Paige, you got to look at it." And I was like, gloving up. I was like, "Yeah, let's look at it." And so he like. Spread and I'm watching and it's like legit, just like gulp, gulp, gulp. And I'm like, wow. Hope you guys are enjoying that spaghetti you're eating right now. Um, <laughs> so they said, take a bath, let it drain. Mind get you, it all yeah. Out. And I, so yeah, and so that's what I did. Uh, that and was it gross. drained for a week. Yeah, I probably. I think it just stopped. <laughs> gross. Uh, so we went to the doctor. Still, just um, I ended tender. up finding him a doctor's appointment on Tuesday. Uh, went to that doctor's appointment and he was like, man, like it looks so much better. Um, yeah. He goes, the, the, the hole that's there is exactly where I would have made my incision and the same size. He said it, it's not even warm to the touch or red. So normally with red and warm to the touch, I give antibiotics. You don't need antibiotics. Just let it leak. What? Yeah. So I was walking around with essentially a homemade pad on my butt for he took um, receiving blankets that we got from the hospital for all of our babies. Guys, and cut if, them insu- up. if your insurance pays for you to have a baby, which typically they do, like, you, and you pay for your insurance, all that stuff's free. Like, Stop you it. you paid for it, you know? He's like, the Ross Geller of hospitals. I'm the Ross Geller of hospitals. 
Anyways, Mike is fine now. We are thankful. Laugh so you don't cry. <laughs> My butt's still tender. Tendies. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> Tendies. <laughs>guys thanks for listening to that uh embarrassing but also semi-funny story about my butt i think it's all funny <laughs> uh, you, i'm sorry for the pain you experienced you didn't live it okay you have <laughs> oh no i lived you, it <laughs> you lived. um guys this week we're gonna touch back on uh this life of addiction that i've had we're gonna um kind of just look at where things are going and where they, where, where they are now and where they're going and um, we had a really good response. Uh, I'm actually really surprised by the response we had. Uh, the first two episodes, you know, Mike got caught, Mike got caught part two, whatever. Um, a lot of people resonated with it. Uh, like I said, I'm really surprised by it. I did not expect the outcome that we have seen so far. Um, you know, but after getting some feedback from some people and, you know, re-listening to it and looking at the notes and stuff, like, <clears throat> I think we, we really touched base. We really disclosed kind of like what happened and kind of the effect it had and, you know, um, what it did to my life and to my kids' lives and, of course, to my wife's life. Um, but I don't, I don't think we did, I don't think we touched a lot on where we are right now and kind of like what that looks like to be living so, in, soberly, sober in sobriety. So, um I yeah. like living in sobriety. I think that living works. in sobriety. Uh, so I, I, I wanted to kind of talk about that. Uh, I think that's really important because we kind of shared the the crapshoot, and then we were like, "But by the power of God, we're all good now." Like you know, and um, so are we talking about the year, the past year of like how <laughs> the hard work that we've gotten there? Yeah, okay. that that, and also what it looks like to lit, to be sober and like for, as in, from an addict's perspective, you know, like. I could talk about what it's like to to not be sober, but then like, you know, talking about what it is like to be sober. Right. Um, and the hard victories you've won. Yeah. Uh, was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, this Thursday, I got my, my one-year chip. Woo-woo. It was supposed to be two weeks before, a week before that, but my butt. <laughs> um, <laughs> owie. As always, um, I hobbled up to get there to, to get it this time. Um, let me tell you uh, real, real, real fast. So... Getting your chip is is just the best feeling. It really is, uh, especially uh, for a lot of reasons. One, because I, I've I've been there on day one and day ten and day thirteen and day forty, um, and I've watched those people get up who have put in the time and who can who can claim that who can claim like I've put in the time to my recovery and my sobriety. And this is me celebrating it. This is me rejoicing in it. And man, like it's so encouraging and so like um, desirable. Like I want what you're doing right now so badly and I don't think I'll ever get there or it's... Is that how you felt like in the early days? Oh yeah. Day like six, seven, eight, 20, 30, 31 was just... I went and got my 30 day chip and I'm like, this is peanuts. <laughs> this is peanuts. Well, and Mike, you know, during that time was like, hey, I'm one week sober. And at that time, my heart was so bitter. I was like, and? <laughs> yep. Yep. And, uh, Understandably so. And then, you know, he would say 30 days, <clears throat> 60 days. And that was in a time where I just needed him to prove himself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, 
But I've heard from Mike and from others, like those are the days that like those accomplishments are for the for the addict, the biggest accomplishments. Those are the hardest because those are the early steps. And, you know, being an addict was just a couple of days ago, a couple of months ago. Um, and so they also need big celebrations. And maybe that comes from support other than the people that they hurt. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why <laughs> That's why we, we call XCR our forever family, you know, and like it's our community because chances are a lot of our community prior doesn't want anything to do with us or they're too hurt by us and, you know, which understandably so. Um, but yeah, so I got my one-year chip, guys. Uh, it was awesome. Um, I surprised him with our small group being there, the people was, that, like, walked us through life. It was great. It was truly a blessing to have my have my friends and my, my community there, uh, not just my CR community, but, like, the people who walked alongside us. It was so good. It was really sweet to see like the, his Celebrate Recovery family that I don't know because um, I haven't been going with him. See them like cheer and come alongside and give them hugs and attaboys. That was really sweet. Yeah, it was great. It was and it was nice having you be a part of that too. Um, Listen, if you haven't been to a Celebrate Recovery, I highly suggest it. <laughs> One, because it is the most raw and vulnerable place you'll ever be. And they do this time where I kind of relate it to like a youth group. They do worship, then they do like a teaching, and then they give out rewards and do small groups. But the teaching, it's always someone's testimony. No, right? some, sometimes it's just it's talking about the principles or the steps. And oh, well, lessons. I recommend going on a testimony night. <laughs> Because I walked away and I was like, oh my gosh, Mike, like, I feel like I need a shower after that. Like, that was just, it was really heavy. It was a lot. Like, she's four years sober. That's incredible. And he was like, that's for sure one of the more mild ones I've heard. (laughs) It's like, oh, the heartache. (laughs) Um, So tonight I I wanted to kind of talk about that. I want to talk about um, being sober and this process that we've had for the past year. You know, what we talked about last time what led us to that breaking point, what it was like being in the midst of that breaking point. Um, And we just, I I don't think we, I don't think I really disclosed as much about what this journey of sobriety looks like tangibly and like in an active life. Um, So probably like, I think the best thing to start with would be talking about um, before that, when my enjoyment of pills and my like my abuse of them, you know, like using them recreationally, you know, using them to, to cope with like hard work and stuff like that, um, turned from abuse to addiction. Hmm. Um, cause I never really, like I remember my counselor said to me, you know, like I wouldn't call you an addict. Like, can you, sur- can you survive? Like if you didn't have them tomorrow, would you be okay? And I said, yeah. And he said, then I wouldn't call you an addict. You're just an abuser. You abuse them. And I think at that point, I really, I was like at that cusp of transitioning um, because I could, like, it would be annoying and I'd be really pissy (laughs) and like, I wouldn't be in a good place, but like, I could physically go without them. Which explains a lot of your attitude then. Yeah. Yeah. And why you were like short. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey, what's going on? And you're like, I'm just having a bad day or I'm dealing with depression or anxiety. And I was like, "Mm, but is there something going on? Mm Mm-hmm. So like, and, and I remember like that transition, like it was pretty quick. Cause I went from like enjoying stuff to like, then like if, when I had it, I had it. If I didn't, I did it. I didn't. But then I started, 
planning out my life around it. Mm-hmm. Like my, my prescription gets refilled on the 15th. So I can take a whole month's prescript in six days. So that gets me to the 21st. Okay. Well, after the 21st, I can, I know that these people get their uh, medicine refilled. So they'll have fresh medicine. So I could probably steal it from them to get me through probably another week. And so like I started literally planning out my, my life around it and it became, it became consuming where that's all like I was doing life. Like you're calculating my math. Yeah, like I was doing life. Like I was going to work. I was being a dad. I was being a husband. I was doing things. But it's like, it's almost like a, when a song is stuck in your head and you can't get it out. I was able to go along my day and doing things, but there was a song stuck in my head saying, when are you going to get high next? When are you going to get high next? Where are you going to get your next fix from? Um, so that transition was was quick, I feel like. And it kind of caught me off guard because I was already habitually using and then it just was all consuming. Um, I hit a lot of low points on that. <laughs> um, I went from, you know, like... What were some of your low points on that? Um, the real low points? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're here I mean, to be like, real. I mean, and, you know, these people, I've, they know and I've, and I've, you know, made amends, you know, like, I, but I stole from my in-laws. I stole from my sister-in-law. Um... I stole from friends, you know, and I'm still remembering things now. Like I'm still remembering things that like I forgot about because I just was too ashamed to keep them in my memory. Um, so chances are I probably have more amends to be made <laughs> and I probably what do you make do them. when a memory comes up like that? <sighs> that. <laughs> I sigh and then I usually write it down and so that way. Is that like part of your step study? Yeah. Yeah. It's taking an inventory of the things I've done to somebody else. Um, and then that way I can then figure out to make amends. And sometimes making amends is not just making amends with the person. It's with, with God and with yourself. And sometimes making amends with the person wouldn't be a healthy thing. So you don't. But that's where you... Have you started making amends with people? I, I have already. But I, I mean, I'm still making amends. What did that look like? Um, just transparency. Just... Hey, this is what's going on. I have taken from you in the past. I have stolen from you. I don't know how many times or when and exactly what, but it was a lot. Just telling them, you know. Right. Um, Like your mom was definitely one of them, and your mom was incredibly gracious. Always has been through this whole thing. Um, You and the mother-in-law, Jack? pot on that one yeah for real i did yeah and on that note like speaking of the lowest of the lows like both my you know like both my in-laws they take medicine because they're they were older they were in pain you know they've been they've gotten a lot healthier over the years which is pretty cool but i you i monopolized on that stupidly um but i think one of the lowest of the lows was um they bought a new camper and they moved out of their old camper. Their old camper was dirty. I mean, it's a camper. You walk in and out of it. Like, it's a small space, you know. Um, But they weren't, like, selling it, so they just left it dirty, which, duh, you know. Um, But I remember everybody was gone. It was, I was here by myself, and I went out to the old camper, and I had a flashlight, and I was literally crawling on this dirty floor 
This is while you were not sober. This is yeah. This is before that. Yeah, crawling on their dirty floor looking for drop medicine. Yuck. And like I remember, I found like a couple of Ambien that were like had been like half moist and wet, so that like there's yeah. dirt and stuff on it, and and that didn't stop me. Is that was probably one of my lowest of my lows right there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, things were. Things were rough, and I think that's when it went from, like, abusing and enjoying them to, like, being addicted to them and being willing to do preposterous things for them. Rebuilding the trust with Paige was really hard. I had made a list with my counselor of all the things that Mike needed to do, Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things was, like, he needed to get accountability partners, and they needed to... He said that, and Mike got caught. They needed to be people that struggled with addiction. Yeah. Um. But I'll talk about that. Like re- rebuilding the trust with Paige was, was, is still very taxing, uh, which as it should be, because you know trust is definitely earned. It's not just granted. Yeah, um, like the other day, yesterday, literally yesterday, we were talking about bad medicine he abused, and he said ibuprofen eight hundreds, and I was like, No, it was Tylenol threes. Okay, yeah. and I was like, Uh, what do you mean? And he was like. Yeah, I abused those. And I said, I, you told me that they didn't have any effect on you. And he was like, yeah, I lied. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, because I, I had a script That's not those. painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very painful. Um, really what has helped build trust, I, I feel. Um, and sometimes, like, this is me also having to read, like, remind page of it. Because in the midst of it, she's like, how can I trust you? I mean, nine months in, two days in, a year in. The convert like when when we argue or when a hard conversation comes up or when or when he's acting weird. Yeah, when when circumstances arise, like I get really weird when Mike is stressed or like having a down day or seems anxious, and I'm like, this is all the same behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like, well, Paige, like I'm allowed to have a bad day, and I'm like, well, also <laughs> these were the exact same things that I lived with for months on end, so. I don't, it's really hard for me to accept that you're having a down day, which we all should be able to have, like that he's so right, but also that's going to take time. Lots of down days where you're also sober. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things too, is like, like you said it, like time, it's going to take a lot of time. And after like tell her that, like, you know, she'll, she'll say to me in, in full transparency, like, like <clears throat> brutal honesty, like. How am I supposed to trust you? Even now, like, she'll say that to me, like, how am I supposed to trust you? Because she needs that. She she can't just, like, rely on this, like, feeling or, like, just, like, I'm choosing to trust him because she chose to trust me for a long time, even a year later. And, you know, like, she just wants to make sure. And so I'll tell her, like, the only thing that I can do is is be transparent with you and let time show that. Um. So anybody who is, you know, working the steps and trying to rebuild those relationships, like it's going to take a lot of time and me and Paige are doing great, but we're trust is still being built on the regular. Yeah. Um, for, for me on my end, you know, being transparent, knowing that it's going to take time, but also like when we have those conversations, when she says to me, you know, like. I understand you're having a down day, but remember, like, you lied to me for a long time, and this is the kind of actions that you were 
having at that time. So it's hard for me to trust you. That hurts. It hurts me. It hurts because it reminds me of what I did. It hurts me because I'm in the middle of like trying to make everything better and I'm doing all this hard work. And it's not her putting me down. It's her, it's her, it's her addressing the situation that I, I put everybody in. Right. But you know, it does take time for you to re-remember. Like it's not me putting you down. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and really, but, and part of, but part of this, part of me in my recovery is feeling the hurt of this. Because before... Part of your recovery is feeling the pain? Ew. Mm-hmm. That sounds awful. A big part of this is feeling the pain. It's, Why? Because uh, I, I think a lot of addicts, and I, I'll speak for myself mainly, we, I, when things get hard, stressful, or hurtful, or rough, I don't want to feel it. I don't want to process it. I don't want to go through it. So I escape, and whether that's that escape is a handful of pills or a bottle or a cigarette or a TV show or a pizza, you know, like, or a podcast, not this one, though. Um, we use those things to, to, to numb ourselves, mm-hmm. and so I'm so... So you need, like... Healthy coping, me- healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, it's it, it's healthy to, to to be, to feel hurt. Like it's healthy to feel the consequence and the pain and be reminded, not not to live in that, not to be, not to use it as like a a, a weight to crush yourself. But it it's it's sobering. It's sobering to be like, man, I did that. Like it's a blessing to look at these pictures that we have on the walls in our office and be like, man, my kids are so awesome. I'm so glad to have them, and me and my wife are so look so good together and it's so wonderful and I almost lost all that mm. that's the sobering part of it um, in my notes here I had where I am now and what's next <laughs> I think we already we already kind of moved on to that but um, I'm working these steps and what step are you on right now we're on step four which is um, making an inventory of what? My wrongdoings and things that have been done wrong to me. Oh, so you're still cataloging. You haven't started the amends process. Is that step five? That, uh, no, that's step six or seven. Mm. Um, it's, it's in there. I'm still learning them. I don't know all the steps by heart. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm in a step study. I go to Celebrate Recovery weekly. I, what has Celebrate Recovery done for you? I think really like I, I've there, there's been wisdom like in the weekly teachings and the testimonies and stuff like that like you know little bits here and there but honestly the biggest thing is like I don't feel alone <laughs> that's what I thought in my head of what your answer would be but I was curious like I know right now of a half dozen men who would soldier with me is that not feeling alone? Because I think I know the people that you would reach out to. Did that mainly come from your step study? Because um, the majority of the people you're thinking about are in your step study. Minus... I'd say it's half and half. Uh, I mean, you know, 70, 30, 70% my step study. Yeah. Um, Is it, When you get finished with it, you might not know this. Are they like your brothers for life because y'all have seen some stuff together? 
I know a lot of guys who who are like that. Like I did my step study with him. Like, no, yeah, like it is. Yeah, and it, it's it's that's just so a, good. Yeah, that's so healthy. Yeah, as I mean, and that's but like I know men who I can call right now and they would drop everything. I know guys who would leave their job right now. They would leave work to come and mm. be there for me and vice and versa. We need those people. Yeah. You you have to have those people. Yeah, and you have to be that person too, which I'm learning. I oh like. You the addict or you as in a general, like everyone need to be that people, that person. I think we all need to be that people, (laughs) um, especially those who are so used to hiding and coping in a bad way. Being able to run to someone, have somebody to run to, not feel alone. I thought you, yeah, okay. (laughs) What? Did you mean we all need to be the person that when they're struggling reaches out or we all need to be the person who when someone's struggling, struggling, we need to leave work and go be there for them. I think we need to be both. I think we need to be able to reach, like be Mm -hmm. the person to reach out, like reach out to somebody when you need help. And then also be that person who will drop everything if you can Mm -hmm. and be there. Cause I'll tell you what, man, there's been a lot of times when, I didn't reach out and I should have. And it was a lot of close calls emotionally and physically. Um, I mean, we have all listened to your close call. We have, yes. <laughs> um, working these steps. Um, learning that it takes time to, to unlearn and break these habits, you know? Like my habit of like, like I said, like, you know, feeling the pain and feeling the hurt and feeling the sadness and... um. And also feeling the joy of my victory, you know, like, but. I think in the beginning you kind of sucked at feeling the joy of your victory. Oh, yeah, because I was a piece of crap who was an addict who destroyed his entire family. Well, <laughs> Mike's inner monologue has always been, I'm a piece of crap, I'm a piece of crap, I'm a piece of crap. So rewriting that for him, like, mm-hmm. if you know me in real life, I am a fairly confident person. And so I will say things like, I'm awesome, or I don't know, something of the like. And for a long time, that really bothered Mike. But now Mike's starting to be like, yeah, because I'm an incredible worker and I get stuff done. And I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Like, yeah. And like, truly that, there is nothing that makes my heart happier than hearing Mike see himself as he is. Not have false confidence, not have false humility, but in his, he is a son of the king. He is a righteous human because God declared him that seeing him walk in that man I could cheer it on all day long it's all Mm. I ever want to do you're really good at that and I appreciate that Mike likes to be celebrated and I'm like you married the perfect human all I do is celebrate (laughs) like did you blow your nose let's go (laughs) (laughs) often uh there's and there's probably a lot of videos out there too of a page going with the kids daddy daddy and all the kids start chanting in and it's it's truly... I'm the reason our kids love you as much as they do, because I'm the one who spearheads it for them and says, this is how we treat dad. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> All this whole time, I thought it was because I was a good dad. Dang it. <laughs> Joking. I mean, yes. A little bit. <laughs> um, one thing I'm learning is like the, my, the, the habits, like, like I'm, I'm almost six months free of tobacco. Um, woo woo. Because I said, there's no way that wonder's coming into this world and you smoke. I know, man. I miss a cigarette. I'll tell you what. 
a bottle. Of, if if I knew I could not get caught and give me a bottle of pills or a pack of cigarettes, I would go smoke the cigarettes, man. That has been the that is one of the hardest things to kick has been tobacco. Why do you think that is? I have no idea, but that stuff is delicious, and you shouldn't do it, children. <laughs> Don't ever do it. Um, I think that speaks to how addictive it is. It is very. Um, the chemical aspect of of like of breaking my habits and addictions wasn't. That wasn't the hardest part. It was like the emotional triggers, you know, like, like I said, feeling what the pain. What does that mean? Um, when things got rough. Like, so what did that look like when you weren't sober is what I'm saying. When I wasn't sober? Mm-hmm. So you had... I was tired during, in the morning at work and I knew work was going to be hard. So I was already depressed because work was going to suck that day and I didn't want to be depressed. So I popped five Vicodin. Oh my gosh. Or me and Paige would get into a big argument and the next day I would pop six like it. I mean, it was like, it was just like, I didn't want to feel things. I didn't want to feel them. Um, and at first it was just like, this job is hard. I don't want it to be hard. Let's make it easy. Give me, you know, like it's like drinking a monster energy drink before you go to work, get you a little pep, you know, but it was, it was medicine and it was bad. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> this is my TED Talk on Vicodin. Medicine's bad. Medicine is bad. Um, now, learning the emotional triggers for me is um, depression. Like, I, I, I do have depression, but not letting that depression spiral me. How has your depression changed now that you've become sober? Has it changed? It's not as severe. It's not, I mean, it's not as weighted because, like, I can think more clearly and like and also like um opioids really jack up your emotions like you go up and down up and down up and down up and down so like yeah it was just a roller coaster and now it's not as much of that like today today, like like today i had a bad day uh, but i didn't tell you that because it lasted for an hour and then it was gone Mm. which before if mike had a bad day it was sometimes like two or three days in a row of a bad day Mm -hmm. um because i was perpetually wasn't trying to get better. I encourage people to be invested in recovery and not just if you're a drug addict. What does that mean? Be invested in recovery. Um, like as the, so the person who's trying to get sober, be invested in recovery or like as the, um, support person of the person who's trying to get sober. The more support that somebody in recovery has, the better. Um, but also, if you're trying to get sober, whether no matter what it is, it, it needs to be a, like you need to be dedicated to it. Mm. It's it's there's these oh man. So I, I love celebrate recovery. I love AA and I love all that stuff. There's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of like really um, quirky sayings and stuff like that. That at, at first I was like. This is really It kind of like seems like you're at a Christian camp and you're like holding hands and chanting. The kumbaya. Yeah, it really mm-hmm. does. Um, but now a year in, I'm like, man, yeah. Like, no, I needed that. I needed that like, I needed that flag that I could constantly look up to and go, you know what? It works when I work it. It does. Like, keep coming back. Like, I needed to be reminded of those things. And you hear those things and you're like, Ill. This is like a cult. <laughs> it, I gotta be honest. It did give off that culty vibe. A little bit, but like the repetition of of hearing the steps and 
you know, and, and hearing like it works if you work it, you know, like stomping out the darkness, you know, those things like at first, like Don't I said, they, they were, like y'all stomp. We stomp. Yeah, we stomp uh, with for the black chip, <laughs> which I have mine right up here. Um, but man, like those things get you get in your head and it's good. It's good because, you know, it was in my head before it, it was awful things. It was me talking negatively about myself. It was what kind of dad gets high all day and then goes home and takes care of his kids. Hmm. You know, I mean that's how, real. How how bad is my life? I've got inc- I've got an incredible wife, incredible kids. I, I serve an incredible God. Yeah, that was a real thing. How how big of a piece of crap are you to to have all this, but still? be a drug user that was a real thing and like that he kept bringing up and he's like my life is just really awful and i'm looking around i'm like do you not see the same life Mm -hmm. i see like Mm -hmm. first of all we have a whole heck of a lot of great moments together like Mm -hmm. just organically like mike and i enjoy each other Mm -hmm. we have good kids that are healthy nothing's wrong with them and so i was like we have a good life here i had zero reason to think and feel what I was feeling, except for the fact that I kept feeding myself this lie. I, I needed kept... to hear that right now. I needed to hear. I didn't realize that until just now. I needed you to realize that you had zero reason. Mm-hmm. Because had, this I whole no time reason. I was like, it was like this big monster that we were fighting in our marriage of, of you know, life just, Mike has been handed this awful life. And I'm like, what? what are you saying about this life? We got a great life. <laughs> and I did. And I do. Um, I just did not like myself. Mm. And, you know, when I spent so much time putting myself down that it seeped out into everything else. Is that something you're working on now? Is like how you talk to yourself, oh, like yeah. your internal monologue? Oh yeah. Big time. Um, what does that look like for you? Re- rep. Uh, repetition and replacing it with like one of the things is um, I look at my kids and I'm like, man, I don't deserve you, but I'm grateful that I get you. Mm. Um, I, I don't understand why you love me as much as you do, but I'm grateful that you do because it, it's me accepting the beauty and the gifts and the good. And it takes me out of, out of that equation. Mm. Like I'm not part of it. Like I didn't earn it. Um, and in despite of me, it's still there. And so it removes me from the equation where before I was in the center of it, where it's like, who would love a piece of crap like me? Who's an addict and who lies, Mm. you know? And so it removes me from the center of it. And it is still, and then instead of being frustrated, it's a attitude of gratitude. Is that a thing from CR? No, but that's oh. something me and my counselor have been working on for a long time. Hmm. Um, so kind of back to what I was saying, like with CR, like you hear all these little sayings and it's, it's the repetition of getting the bad out of your mind and getting the good in there. And what I was saying before that is being dedicated to your, to your sobriety and to your recovery. Like we have to undo so much that we've done we're essentially rewiring our brains 
on a day on a day to day moment to moment, you know. And that was one thing too is like I had to start living moment to moment because like celebrating the fact that we did like this afternoon was really really hard with you, you know. With me? Yeah, like in the beginning when What I do? <laughs> like in the beginning <laughs> when I'm you know, I was living in the garage and like Oh, you know, I thought you were talking about today. I was like, no, no, but even then, but no, but, but but like even then, like if we can do a really big argument, it's like, I can't let that be my day. Mm. I can't let that hour, 20 minutes, whatever, be my day. It needs, it needs to be that 20 minutes and then be done. Mm. You know, where before it was my day because I would respond to it so negatively and then I would get high. Yeah. It took you forever to like calm down after. Mm-hmm. That was the thing um, that we talked about in counseling of, like, I am a pursuer, Mike is a withdrawer. And when we had arguments, it would consistently be me coming and apologizing first. And we had to address that. And, you know, there's, there's the pain of, like, one day the person who pursues won't pursue anymore because they need to be pursued. Mm. And um, I, I was constantly like, why do you take forever to get out of this funk of being frustrated with me? Um, but this explains a lot. It does explain a lot. <laughs> you know, like a lot of this for me was like, oh, it explains this and explains this. And even now, like a year later, I'm, I'm still still finding stuff that it mm-hmm. explains. Like, well, that would be why. And I think... Um kind of going off that, like things you're like that are still going on a year later. Uh, I think a lot of people who don't, who never had to like get sober or like this is kind of new to them or like they don't understand it or whatever. Like I'm, I'm a year sober from pills and lying. Praise the Lord. I'm six months sober from tobacco. I still want to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> and there are a lot of times when I'm like, Ooh, this would be a lot easier if, I was high or man, you know what sounds really good is sitting in a hot tub with a nice buzz right now. Like those things still come in my mind because I guess I, I was an addict, but I also abused them for fun. And it's like, I can't do that no more. And like, you have to address those things. Like, like even a year in guys like, yeah, I'm sober. I got, I got my, my heavy metal chip the one year. It's awesome. And we're celebrating People still like people still want to drink. They still want to get high. They still want to use something to help them cope. And it's um, there. There is a reality that there might be a day where I fail, where I where I fall off the bandwagon, where I restart my sobriety. And you know, uh, it's funny. It's, uh, Dak Shepard um, does a podcast. And he talked about that. And that was one of the most encouraging podcasts I've ever heard um, about sobriety and about losing your sobriety. I really recommend you go and listen to it. We, um, so in the middle of all of this, I started a small group for women whose spouses struggle with addiction. And it was incredible. I had baby wonder and it's fizzled out and stopped. But uh, that came out right as maybe we had been meeting for two weeks. Mm. And I sent it to, because 
um, I sent it to everyone in the small group. And you think about Dax's wife, Kristen, like Kristen Bell, she was walking through this with her husband and, and to hear of another spouse and what they're going through Mm -hmm. and, and the owning up of it, uh, for Dax. That's so encouraging. And we need each other's stories. That's why we started this podcast. It's because I was so amazed when we shared about our miscarriage, how many people came to me and said that they miscarried. Yeah. We need each other's stories. We need to know that we're not alone in our struggles. Um, take our masks off. And, and also I, we need to know that like, to not be afraid of the failure. Because I, 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 there's a part of me that is That's afraid. That's so good. There is a, there's a part of me that is afraid of messing up again one day. Mm. Um, and if that happens, I, I made the choice a long time ago, and I feel very confident in myself that if I fail tomorrow, I would be honest with with Paige. Yeah, I would tell her. Um, because though my, my timer may restart to one minute, you know, one hour, one day, um, it doesn't undo all my hard work. Right. And like Dax said in that, that podcast, one of the things that I took away is that your sobriety isn't just like it went for a walk, your, or not your sobriety, your addiction, um, your addiction didn't just go for a walk. Your addiction is sitting in the corner doing push-ups, ready for the day when you, you yeah. know, he's, relapse. He's sitting in that corner right now looking at me, watching me get strong and get better, and he's sitting there doing push-ups, getting beefy, waiting for me to... To knock you out. To knock me out. And I think that that podcast was really great about, like, one... One day does not undo 11 years of sobriety. It doesn't mm-hmm. automatically wipe out all those memories that you've made with your kids and yeah. and the the love and support of your spouse and and um, the sobriety that you've obtained. It doesn't erase it. It doesn't make it not worth it. If anything, it teaches you you can do it again. Yeah. So if I do drop off the bandwagon, we'll let you guys know. Well, I don't plan things, on it, <laughs> but one of the things Mike told me is like, I need you to stop with like, if you relapse that you're going to, that you're not going to be here for it. Like, and I had to come to a realization and I said to Mike, like, if you, if you relapse, it's not the relapsing that I'm mad at. It's the hiding it from me mm-hmm. that I need you to be transparent honest completely open with me uh when that happens when and if that happens yeah and that's one thing that i have learned and am learning through my step study and through this recovery is that there's no shame there's no shame with coping wrongly there is shame when you refuse to get help and you refuse to try to make it better and you refuse to just try. Um, Cause I, w- that's what kept me from being honest so long was, was the shame. Mm-hmm. And so like, we, cause we all, we, I mean, we all cope 
with crap in crazy ways. That's one thing I've learned in CR is like hurts, habits, and hangups. Like chances are in your, in your life, somebody hurt you and that hurt from a child or whenever still affects you in some way, you know, like we all overeat, we all smoke, we all do something to cope with something. Mm. And, you know, some of us just pick harder things and we, some of us have, have a harder time with it and it, it catches us. Like, like I went from abuse to being an addict. Um, but getting away from that shame was so hard, was so, so hard. And now I don't want to live in that shame and, and not living in that shame is one of the things that I know, like if I relapse tonight or tomorrow, I wouldn't, I would not live in shame. I refuse to live in that shame. Mm, come on with that truth. <laughs> okay. So we just talked about your sobriety, what this last year looked like. So now let's talk about some questions that people have asked. So first one is, what would you say to the wife whose husband isn't being transparent? Like what advice would you give to that wife? They know that they have an addiction. The husband does. He's admitted the addiction. He's been mm. working on the addiction, mm. but there's not been like a good stick to First, I would say that I'm, I'm sorry. I've seen what that does. Um, cause we knew that I had an issue a long time ago. Uh, we just downplayed it. I would say to the wife, call the husband out. It's going to be, and I would say it, it before things start to look better, they're going to have to look a lot uglier. Ugh, guys, that's not fun, but it's so true. It looked really ugly for us for a while. And some, some, some people may not find it worth it. Some people may look at it and be like, my sanity and my false sense of security is more important for me to live in, like, to live in a, a fantasy world. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to ignore it is way better than having to deal with all this, which is really unfortunate. But people do it all the time. So I'm, I would say get ugly so th- for the chance of it to get to look better. Like kind of how when you're cleaning out a, a room and you move stuff out of a whole room and your whole living room looks like trash while you're like putting piece by piece back, back together. That's what it emotionally is. Like it's going to look real ugly in that living room for a while. Uh, I would say it's more like a, like going into a hoarder's house and mm. like and like grabbing the hoarder by the hand. And almost by the face and saying, look at this. Mm-hmm. Everyone sees it. We all see it. It's right here. You cannot ignore it. It right. will not be ignored. Yeah. And I, I, again, I, I'm, that, that's what worked for me. Okay. Another question was, um, how did you tell the kids that we were separated? What was their response? Oh, really? Yep. Pass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, with Zola, I just cried. I just weeped and she held me. I think I told that part in that story on the last one. Did I tell that? I can't remember. Um, Zola was one. You did tell. Zola was one. So, you know, she didn't know, but. Um, 
I sat down with the kids when they got back. Uh, I remember asking Paige, like, what do we want to tell the kids? And Paige says, we're not telling them anything. You're going to tell them what you did and what, and what life is like now moving forward. Uh, you get to tell them that you ruined mommy's life and that you made the situation for them. You get to tell them about the Christmases they have to figure out which who they're going to. Mm. Um, by no means was I trying to make Paige sound mean there. She was justified in everything she said and how she said it to me. Um, remember, this is really fresh <laughs> at, at the time. <laughs> um, but I sat the kids down and I said, Daddy has done a lot of bad things. Daddy was taking medicine when he shouldn't have. Um, and Daddy was lying to Mommy and lying to you and lying to everybody for a really long time about taking my taking the medicine. And I told him that I stole from people and that I lied to people and that um, because of those things, Mommy and Daddy were no longer together. And at the time, we were looking at divorce. And so I said, you know, Mommy and Daddy won't be together anymore. Um, what I told were their them, responses by child? What did Zeo Adelaide and Memphis do? Zeo broke. You know, she started crying, and Memphis, in his sweet little voice, was like, "Was like, why did you lie to mommy?" You know, I think can, you were crying, and he kept saying it over and over again. Yeah, probably. Um, I think Zeo said something along the lines like, I don't want you to move somewhere else. I don't want you to leave. And Memphis just cast, kept asking me why, why I lied to mommy. Hmm. What were your responses to this? I think I just said, I don't know. And I, I, I remember telling Zeo, I'm sorry, Dad, daddy will try to be here. It's a great question. I'm really glad whoever asked this question. Thank <laughs> you. Was it? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Reliving all that. Thanks, Sharon, too. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I know that you, we touched on this, but what about anxiety and depression? And how, how have anxiety, depression, and addiction danced together? Well, that's a good, that's a really good question. Um, I got diagnosed with depression like uh, 11 years ago, 10 years ago. I went to a doctor. He made me fill out this form and he was like, you depressed? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm just sad because sometimes life is sad. Like that just makes, it makes sense. You know, like, <laughs> like life hard, make sad. I sad, like that's it. Um, <laughs> But he made me take a, a couple of tests and he did like diagnose me with depression. And so he wanted to get me started on something. So anyway, it really helped. Um, Bupropion, what I was on, I think, for years. Anyway, um, it really, really helped. It definitely helped me balance out a little bit. Um, as things got worse when I went from like abusing pills to more of an addict, um, I started noticing like, like I talked about in the last podcast, like I wasn't sleeping. Um, I started having anxiety at work because I wasn't happy at work and I was exhausted. So I'm exhausted. I'm not happy. 
I'm working a job I don't want to do. It's a very physically demanding job. I don't get paid enough. Um, all the while, you know, like me being a drug addict is making me further from my wife. It's making me further from my relationship with the Lord. Um, so like this, like crazy spiral effect was happening. So like my depression got worse because I didn't like myself and that started to affect my life and how I viewed it. So I started having this anxiety, like I'm never going to get out of these jobs. Um, this sucks. Um, like I, I literally would have these panic attacks and, um, which then opened this gateway to me to be like, Oh, I probably need Xanax to help me with my anxiety. Mm-mm. Um, also all those hip hop artists, rapper guys with the face tattoos say Xanax are cool. Um, they're not kids. Um, were you abusing Xannies as well? Yeah. Xannies. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't sleeping. So my doctor gave me Ambien. Um, and so I started abusing that, um, which then made my mental state unstable, which made me more depressed and more so anxiety. So the more pills made your uh-huh. mental state unstable. Uh-huh. And, I, and I will fully say that like depression is for real, yo. Um, there's definitely a spiritual side to it for a lot of people and for most cases, but also we are fallen by nature. So like we are unbalanced to begin with. So, um, we definitely need help with that, but yeah, like I just, I push myself down the spiral, you know, like my one addiction led to an issue and that issue helped feed my addiction. So I was literally just feeding the fire, (laughs) you know, with, with, with more gasoline that was causing the fire, you know, it was just, yeah. Now I'm great. Not now I'm much better. I don't have anxiety, um, at all. Do you think the anxiety was because of the addiction, like anxious about being caught? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, my whole my whole life is a lie, you know. Right. And plus, I wasn't like there was I wasn't happy with stuff, and you know, like just constantly on edge, you know. And I was on edge because my like my body constantly wanted to get high, and I wasn't constantly high. Right. <laughs> so it made me edgy, which turned into anxiety. Like edgy because you're coming down from the medicine. Edgy because I didn't have enough or because I couldn't get it or because I was worried about where I was going to get it. Was I'm just ha- really glad you didn't buy it. Nope. Mainly because I'm so stingy. that I'm so cheap <laughs> that I've been like, are you flipping kidding me? That's where we spent our money? That? No, I was just, also, a, thank I was you just for a not thief. Getting... I was just a thief. Right. So. Thank you for also not stealing stuff, going to a pawn shop, getting money. <laughs> Mike, where'd the microwave go? <sighs> I don't know. Scratching your neck. <laughs> it's not funny. Funny. Mike has said many times that he's thankful that he got caught when he got caught because he sees himself going down a, a, a way worse route. Two side notes. One, I'd like to say that even when we were recording that first Mike got caught and second um, episodes, I did not know that Mike had a gun in his mouth. <laughs> so when people say like, oh my gosh, that was so crazy. I didn't know that all the, you know, you guys were going through all this stuff. I, my response is, yeah, I didn't either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we had a great life for the most part. I would say 90%, like I, we were doing great. It's just that 10% was killing us. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, it was the exact opposite. It was 90% bad, 10% good. Like internally? Internally, yeah. Um, What was the second thing I was going to say? I look really handsome tonight. Always. Absolutely. Mike has these new black glasses, and every time I see him, I'm like, man, you look really good today. (laughs) But like the fourth time, I was like, oh, I really like those glasses. (laughs) Um, one of the things I really wanted to touch on um, was the spiritual side of things. We're about to get all religious. I remember, I remember what I was going to say. Can I go back to that? Oh, okay, I guess. Religious. I got you. I got you. My second thing that I was going to say was I had the conversation with our best friends in New York. And I said to her, um, well, let me back up. I have been really thinking about how I'm so thankful that the Lord orchestrated it all to come out when it came out because I had that accountability of like, I had to do something. We were at our best friend's house. I had told him in November that we were going to be done if it happened again. Um, so I had to like back up my words or else they were false words. Um, and like, it was such an atrocious sin against our friends that I had to like stand up for it. Um, And there was like, yeah, that built-in accountability. And I said to my friend, what what would you have done if I just swept it under the rug or made Mike apologize or, um, you know, like just said, "Ah, you know, this happens. I can't even imagine that being a scenario that played out, to be honest with you. Well, it would have been really difficult, but obviously, like, that's the easier of the two options. If I had taken the easy option, I guess, instead of the hard option, what what would you have done? And she was like, "I, I don't know how our friendship would have survived that. And she is genuinely one of my best friends. And that just to think about the consequence of sweeping things under the rug and the, what we have now is all thanks to a, a decision that was really hard, a decision that to walk through took every ounce of energy I had out of me. But what I got on the other side has given me my life times a hundred. I, this connection that I have with Mike is deeper than I knew possible, which is really good because, you know, other areas of our lives, like we're just exhausted. And so it's really nice to have like emotional, deep connection when we're physically so exhausted. Um, spiritually. Well, hold on. Our friends were on the phone the other day and I heard her say something about like, I'm honored that the last pill Mike ever takes in a bad way is, was my pill. <laughs> she's like, and she and said she, it humor. Yeah, she said it humor. She goes, it better be, you know, like kind of jo- in a joking. Um, and man, I pondered on that so much that what if it wasn't? Mm. You know, what if she didn't counter pills? What if it wasn't brought up? What if, what if like we left? Yeah, by the Holy Spirit himself, like, I even said to Amanda, would you mind yeah. putting them up? Like, what if I, like a million times before, we get home from New York and, hey, I think I'm missing pills and I can just deny it because now there's no, there's no evidence, there's no proof, there's no, I can just deny it. Uh, I was caught essentially red, literally red-handed in there. So, 
But I thought about that and I thought about the trajectory of my life and where it was going. It would have been pure destruction. It would have continued and gotten worse because I was, I, I probably would have started buying. Mm. I probably would have started stealing more. Um, I would have put a lot of things, more things in jeopardy. Do you think suicide would have been on the table? Because we had that night on the, you know, yeah. on the floor. But I, it, I, it, I mean, I, I want to say that God is good enough to fill his promises and he, cause he is, um, if I don't think it would have been suicide, I think I just might have overdosed, overdosed or died, taken four Ambien at night, and right. my heart would have stopped. You know, something crazy like that, or I would have shot myself in the head by accident, cleaning a gun in the middle of the night. You know, like mm. something I got in the car and driven away to go get Taco Bell at two o'clock in the morning while I'm high on Ambien. High on Ambien, you know, like yeah. yeah. So, um. I am incredibly grateful that it all happened. I I wouldn't change a single thing about it. Yeah, I think we said this in the other podcast, but Mike was like, this is the best year of my life, and I just wanted to punch him. It's like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. I can, I can, f- like, I feel now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel good. Mm. Like, I'm actually happy in that, that 90 that 90% we were talking about earlier where it's flipped for me, where the 90 is the bad, the 10 is good. It's 100 now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all good. It's all good, even even in the even in the hard. Yeah. Um, okay, because, you know, toxic positivity is a thing now. But so when you say everything is all good, it's 100% good now. Un- unpack that. It's 100. Positive vibes only. Only. All the vibes. No. Um, with a Z. There's something powerful that happens when you when you cope with things uh, in, in a healthy, in a healthy manner, the way, the way we're supposed to. Um, and so it's allowed me to have a, like my mind is clear now. Like I don't see things distorted in the, the way they were before. Um, Mike doesn't suck. Mike has issues and I'm dealing with them. You know, I'm no longer the enemy. I'm no longer the bad guy. Um, I'm the guy who's getting better, you know, and I'm I'm always working towards being better every day, you know. So, like, as long as I'm working towards getting better, like, the f- failure is not going to, is not going to deter me. And as long as I'm working towards getting better, like, I'm going to be successful. Mm. Because I'm always moving forward towards sobriety and towards sober-mindedness and towards being healthy. So that's why it's 100, to answer your question. Yeah. What are you writing over there? I'm doodling because it helps me pay attention <laughs> while you talk. Page fidgets so much. Oh, I can't stop. Um, you saying spiritually. Yes. So, yes, yeah, so uh, I'm really thinking about this part of it. So, you know, I had a great relationship with the Lord growing up uh, when I became a Christian as a teenager. Um, I went to Bible college to, like, do the whole pastor thing, and, like, it was great. Like, I I had a pretty fruitful relationship with Jesus Christ. And 
it slowly deteriorated the more I started to abuse, the more emotionally unstable I got, the more I lied. Um, and really, Paige, mine and Paige's relationship is... What's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's incredible. It's, awesome. It's incredible, Fun. yes. <laughs> um, but the deterioration in that and the distance that was growing between us um, is a mirror image of what was happening between me and God. Mm. Now, Paige says, you know, like, you know, oh my gosh, I, I didn't know that those things happened. And she's like, yeah, I didn't either. The the big, there's a lot of big, but there are some differences in that. And one is that God knew everything that was going on the entire time. Um, and this dis, this like, distance started growing between me and the Lord. And once where I felt close to him, I no longer did. Once where his word spoke to me, it no longer did. You know, once where I enjoyed worship music and fellowship with other believers and, and serving, um, as a sense of worship and enjoyment, it, those things no longer had those things, those fulfillments and that, that connection was no longer there. So if you stop doing those things, people ask questions. And also as a Christian, I'm, I'm called to do those things. So I would still do them hoping that the purpose behind it would come back, but it never did because I just kept pushing that distance between me and the Lord by being a liar and abuser and not trying to get better and hiding from him and hiding from my wife. Um, but now for the past year, it's been a time to rebuild. So what does that rebuilding look like for you? Um, like spiritually. Yeah, spiritually. No, I mean, it means being in his word, not hiding from his word. Cause there were times when I would literally like avoid the Bible because <laughs> it was so convicting and even just the, the presence of it was sometimes convicting, mm. which should be a big red flag. So if any of you feel that that's a big red flag, y'all get some Have help. guys ever <laughs> listen to worship music and you're like, Oh, I just can't listen to this right now. Mm. Well, worship music is different than, than the Bible, but. No, but also, if you can't be in the presence yeah. of God, yeah, if you can't, there's worship Him. There's, there's d- something. Dig into you. that. Yeah. Why? Why can't yeah. you? Um, joyfully serving, like mm-hmm. going in with like what I'm doing is not giving my time; it's giving of myself for the purpose of glorifying God. Not just going and doing it and being like I did my thing, <laughs> like right. going in, in and being like out. going and be in and being like. Today, I'm going to watch those babies so those parents can go enjoy church, and I'm going to make sure they're safe and God is glorified. <laughs> like, <laughs> telling myself that that's, going to, that's what I'm going to do, because then it gives it purpose. Um, prayer is a big one. Uh, the same way that me and Paige are now communicating a lot better, me and the Lord are communicating a lot better on a regular basis. What does that look like? Giving thanks. You know, kind of like I talked about earlier, like, I know I don't deserve mm. X, Y, Z, but I'm grateful that I have it. Like taking time to look around and... Yeah, kind of survey. Right. Um, you know, and, like, and the basic stuff, like the quick prayers, like, you know, God protect my, my kids as they're out and protect Paige as she's out and like, you know, God, give me a million dollars, you know, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the basic stuff. Um, here's Here's... Here's probably the hardest thing that I've had to learn, and I'm still really processing this. Um, so with me and Paige, I mean, it's been a year. It's been a year of me proving myself to her. She gave me a list 
there were expectations. I mean, there were times when I'm like, hey, I got my 30-day chip. And she's like, hey, big whoop, blah, 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 blah. You know, understandably so. <laughs> you know, like, every time I hit a milestone, it was me proving to myself that I could do it and me celebrating. But it's also like, okay, here's one more brick of this torn down house that I could put back on there to rebuild my family and my relationship with my wife. Um, and just like what I said before, like rebuilding trust with Paige, it takes time. It takes transparency. You know, like it took things. It took an outpour because I denied her so much before I lied to her. You know, I took so much from her that now it's, I, have, I had to make up for it with Paige because that's what she needs for this relationship mm. to be okay. That's what she needs for that restoration. And a lot of times, especially myself, I feel like I treat God the same way I would treat a human being. Like, I done did you wrong, Lord. Mm. I need to show you that I'm serious about this now. And I need to... I need to get my chip tonight. And then I need to go out in my car and I need to say, look at Lord, I got it. Like... I'm 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 showing you that that I'm getting better. Like, can we get better now? Like, hey, I know our relationship's been really rocky and really rough, but can can we get better now? Can we can we start working on mine and your relationship? Like I promise you I'm getting better, Lord. I promise you that I'm putting in the work and I promise all these things. And that's the thing is God does not play games like humans do. Mm, come on with that truth. And I'm not saying that Paige is playing games. Paige was, this is what Paige needed for her to be made whole and for her to trust. God's not like that. I didn't need, I don't, I don't need to prove to him that I'm getting better. I don't need to prove to him that I'm truly sorry and that I'm trying. Because he knows it. He knows if it's true or if it's not true. Yeah, he, he's already there. <laughs> he knows that already. He doesn't want, he doesn't want, the, he, God does not want my effort towards my sobriety. God wants me. Yeah. So growing up in my church, they always said like, God's about the heart condition. Like he, he doesn't care about X, Y, and Z. He wants your heart to be about him. He mm-hmm. wants your heart to be devoted towards his things to his plans, his desires, what he told you in scripture to do. And, <clears throat> and so uh, he w- our pastor would always say, your heart is the only thing that you get to take to heaven with you, like mm. the, your soul. So he's about, you know, transforming your, your heart to look as close to him as possible. And part of the sobriety thing is the restoration of relationships, the restoration of yourself and like, your mind, you know, and your body and things like that, like you can start to, you start seeing the restoration of things, you know, your relationships getting better, um, your mental capacity, all these things. God does not need me to restore my relationship with him. My wife needed that. My kids needed that. He needs you to come to him. Yeah. But you're not doing the work he is. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like God is not like, all right, man. You you made the, you made a mess out of this. Start getting better, and then we'll be better. He does. He doesn't do that. And and for a lot for a lot of us, like 
a lot of us have a relationships that where that is the case because that that is that's that's what's needed. That's what that's that's what you have to do to regain the trust. But man, that's one thing. And like I said, I've been I'm struggling with this because I I constantly put God in that human form where like that's what he needs. Mm. But really what it's doing is it's is it's downplaying his grace and mercy and it's making it about what I have to do to get back in his good graces. And the reality of it is is day 1 on that flight home from from New York when everything fell apart, I could have done it, done it right then and there and started mm. and just been like, here I am. Take me. I am yours. Because in, and then in the giving of myself and the taking of him, the effort comes naturally. Like being closer to him makes me want to give more effort. Mm. Me giving my effort doesn't make me want more of him. And it's, it's not, that's not an equation that works like that. And so that's one thing I've really been struggling with and really been working on. And it's like literally a moment to moment reminder. And there's some days where I fail. There's some days when I'm like, like, I don't have good days. And I'm like, man, like, God must not want to be close to me today because I had a bad day or whatever. And the reality is, is like, he doesn't play that, he doesn't play that game. Like he's ready right now for me. And, mm-hmm. and so I constantly go back to that, like... Right, like you don't have to fix yourself before you come to the Lord. Yeah. He will take you in whatever condition you come to Him. He yeah. just wants you to come. And if anybody's ever been in trouble with their spouse <laughs> or like their parents or somebody really close to them, and there's that like fear in going approaching that person in that relationship, like, man, I'm really, I don't want to have this conversation with them. It's going to be so hard. Or like, we're really on thin ice and like man, we can't approach God like we're on thin ice because we're not. Because of the blood of Jesus, we're not on thin ice with him. Mm. It's solid. You know, I don't have to approach God being like... Like a like a dog that knows that he's torn yeah. into the yeah, thing no. he shouldn't have. Yeah. It's like, God, God, he already knows it and he already loves me regardless of that. Mm. And I could go to him bubbling out of my mouth high, drooling, and he would still be... His lap's open. Right. You know, I always think about like when I'm snuggling with one of my kids, like that's how God is with us. Like he just wants us to rest in him. He wants us to sit, you know, if you've ever snuggled a kid and like they're moving the whole time or they're trying to fix themselves, God just wants us to sit there and sit with him Hmm. to rest in knowing that he has us, that he's taking care of us. Guys, we're really grateful for you listening. Yeah. This is another heavy episode, but (laughs) uh, I just realized there's a lot of stuff that needed to be said about recovery and about my recovery. And um, I'm just really grateful for all of our listeners. What's your little spiel about? um, Hey, guys, if you'd like to follow (laughs) us on Instagram, (laughs) on Instagram, that's where we mainly are. It's at laugh so you don't cry. Um, I know that it's so dumb to say this, but it it is a reality. Like if we would like other people who are addicted to know our story and to get help and to, if we can give light and um, hope to other people, gosh, we want to. So if you wouldn't mind sharing and tagging our story on your socials, that would be incredible. Getting the word out. If you know anyone who is dealing with addiction and you want to share this with them, that would mean the world. 
Um, and in that, <laughs> if you wanted to leave us an honest review of what you think about our podcast, uh, on Apple Podcasts specifically, that would be really helpful as it helps us reach other people. And keep in mind, if you give us a bad review, I'm really good with computer. I'll find you. No, I want an honest <laughs> review. Stop. No, really honest. Um, and write in words. It makes a huge difference when you write in words versus give us five stars. Listen, just give me all the stars. I don't care about the words. And if you'd like to support us, you can go to... No! <laughs> not at all. We're not about that. I told that. Mike, I was like, that's not funny, babe. I find it incredibly funny. So Comment on our episode if you think that's funny. Yes, please let me know. Um, <laughs> tell me how funny I am. Feed me. Feed me. Feed me, Seymour. Well, guys, we love you. We're, we're so grateful. And this is Laugh So You Don't Cry.